0: Hello, I'm Anna Pekitska. And I'm Clarice Lockrey. And this is the next Supreme an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast.
1: In this episode, Vivian gives birth to the twins and Tate and Violet attempt to rid the house of some of its ghosts for good. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a lot that happens in here and we were just uh-huh. chatting before hitting record that this episode is kind of condenses a lot of stuff, plot stuff, action, um a lot of things get resolved but we begin with a flashback to 1984 where we see tiny baby Tate get really scared <laughs> by Thaddeus i don't i don't really think this contributes anything to the overall story of Murder House but it is interesting to see Thaddeus who has been such a kind of image of horror throughout the whole mm. season and we've only really seen kind of in in very kind of vague snippets or very uh, quick cuts. We really actually see him fall on uh kind of really mm. uh really upfront. and I don't the infantata kind of monster that he has always seemed very scary because the idea of a of a baby with hooves and really sharp teeth is very
1: terrifying. but here he just looks kind of very sad. I feel like he's very scary when you first see him because they introduce him with this shot. It's the darkness, you know, in the Mm -hmm. corner of the basement. The face very, very slowly emerges, which I find quite scary because it's that, it's the the trick with your brain and your eyes, like, are you seeing a face? Like, what is that? Am I just looking at nothing? And then the face sort of slowly forms, Mm. which I don't know, really freaks me out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You no know, like i i found him a little a little sadder although obviously it's it's a very um grotesque kind of creature that they've created but it's interesting to see how tate and nora form a little bond even early on in this scene which obviously then becomes such a massive layer for their relationship and the whole reason why tate um assaults vivian is to give nora a baby
1: yeah, because within two minutes of of baby Tate meeting Nora, he says, I wish you were my mommy. Which yeah. Is, I think it uh, says a lot about Constance. Uh, this child, <laughs> another older woman, and within moments, he's like, new mommy! <laughs> Better mommy! <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a precursor for Tate's
0: extraordinary mommy issues. Like, even... <laughs> Well, was it Moira who, in a previous episode, had that line that I loved? It was like, "Can you just please stop trying to please every single older woman you meet? Like, calm down, yeah. Tiny Tate."
1: Some um, Freud would have a field day. Let's just say oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I also enjoyed the. I enjoyed the way that Baby Tate chucks his toy down the his toy truck down the stairs because he's yes. like rolling it along and then he gets to the basement and then he's like <laughs> as if he was expecting it to roll down the stairs but you just i don't know sorry that's just like a really stupid small thing that made me laugh it's,
0: it's you know what tiny tate is also creepy just gonna say it. he is a little creepy yeah yeah very well cast <laughs> but there's a there's a lot of preparations going on in this episode and I find it interesting, kind of especially Chad and Patrick. We see they're back, and they're preparing for the baby's arrivals, and trying very hard to not bicker with each other. And there's this interesting scene when they're kind of preparing the nursery, and they're confronted by Constance, who, I mean, is always you know very problematic in many ways. Here in this scene, just out and out homophobe, like she is saying some disgusting shit. Um, Chad in particular obviously is uh, having none of it. What did you make of that kind of whole situation?
1: Well, she starts off by putting her cigarette out in a paint can, which I think is already like, (laughs) that's not cool, ma'am. But yeah, I mean, she's going full like, you know, Westboro Baptist Church on them very man shall not lie with man it is an abomination like you know yeah yeah um a lot of bible quoting
0: i like
1: yeah but like i like that patrick just really puts it down very swiftly i mean i don't know do i want to say this because it's also my favorite line of the episode oh oh. i feel like it might also be crucial to our conversation or do i save it if it's what i think it is i want to hear it twice what is it (laughs) Okay. Well she when she says men shall not lie with men, it is an abomination and he says, So's that hairdo, but yeah. I figure that's your business. <laughs> yes. Which is just like yeah. uh, that's such
0: a beautiful comeback. Yes, I love that. Right. I mean and to be to be fair, in that context, I do think that having a red crib is maybe a bold color choice for a baby crib,
1: but <laughs> Well, especially because the nursery's green. I found that a bit upsetting. Like, I see his point. You have a green nursery and you're going to paint a red crib. Like, is it Christmas? I don't get it. Yeah,
0: And also, it's a little bit bit on the nose, considering that, like, one of the babies is the Antichrist. So you're like, really? You're going to give the devil baby a red crib? Yeah. It's
1: basic. Well, I guess when it starts, like, vomiting blood, it'll be easier for the (laughs) cleanup. (laughs) Um,
0: I do find it very interesting how... The ghosts of the house are all disputing the ownership of the twins, of the babies. I mean, this is kind of like really coming to a head in this episode. It's been really going on in the background and all of the all of the different characters, all the different ghosts have kind of different motivations for wanting one of the babies. But here it really comes to a head because the birth is imminent.
1: Yeah, and you really start to realize that just everybody wants these babies. Yeah. I think it's never really been sort of made crystal clear before, but I think having every single ghost come in to mm-hmm. the scene and be like, no, I want the baby. No, I want the babies. No, I want the babies. Yeah. And and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if if, if that's a like a dramatic device or if it's meant to be like a thematic thing because they're ghosts or maybe it's like, as a ghost, maybe you you have some sort of desperation to be near new life, or I don't know. Well, I don't I know think, if there's a meaning behind that. I think they each individually
0: have a different reason for wanting a child, right? But I think you you do have a point there when you say that there's this kind of desperation to cling onto something living, because if they, you know, like Violet is dead, we found that out in the previous episode. Um, if they manage to kick the harmons out of the house, which they kind of want to, like they don't really care for other living people inhabiting the murder house, but they desperately want the children. So I think there is elements of that of like so- these dead people wanting to have something that they can raise essentially. I mean, to be fair, they should all just like you know pile together and actually raise the kids as a commune, as like a ghost commune, as opposed to trying to out with each other to get the babies to themselves like where are they gonna go if Hayden if Hayden gets a baby and Nora gets a baby someone else gets a baby they're just gonna be stuck in the house anyway so it's kind of everybody's babies
1: yeah just take turns everybody have it for a different day yeah exactly there's two babies you circulate you do you you print out a calendar (laughs) and you get little stitches and you go right Nora's got baby one on on Mondays Tuesdays and Friday you know like if if everybody just got together had a little meeting had some teamwork then everybody could have the babies and and we'd be plentiful baby time you know yeah but I guess I guess it's the point of the house is that everybody's in their little factions um so no one's no one's getting along i mean sadly.
0: It, it's not called the organized house it's called the martyr house so i guess nobody there really likes <laughs> putting things in order except chad i reckon chad would be great at that but he is also quite selfish yeah oh yeah but billy dean howard is back amazing i mean always love always love having her over um <laughs> I don't really, I don't really got what the point of her being back was, except to tell the story of the lost colony of Roanoke and kind of give this weird spell advice to Violet on how to get rid of ghosts from the house and specifically Violet and Tate want to get rid of um, Chad and Patrick. What did you make of the scene? Because it's, it's kind of great, but it also doesn't really make that much sense.
1: Well, because no one has ever thought that there were ghosts. The thing with Roanoke is not that there's ghosts; it's just that they disappeared. The story she tells is is just I. It doesn't make any sense oh, because no. yeah, you have this this colony that disappeared that were now ghosts, even though that's not part of the myth, and that they figure out the um. The indigenous tribes living in the area figure out that the way to banish the ghosts is to utter the words croatoan which it was the word that was carved onto the the post of the the abandoned settlement but croatoan was just the name of a different tribe like that doesn't make any sense oh like it wasn't some like magic word it was just like and that's how we we pretty much know where they went they just went to the, they were like we've gone to the croatoans like <laughs> we're just you know it's like if you leave a post-it on the fridge it's the equivalent of that so I it mean,
0: just i mean the roanoke colony kind of the mystery of that that lost colony is super interesting and there's been a lot of kind of thought it's been a great fodder for tales and for spins on the story and for people creating kind of supernatural reasons as to why that colony disappeared and what the Kroatoan word meant. Um, And, you know, this is one of those, but it is this weird thing of, it's both making them into ghosts who are murderous ghosts, and then they also have to take their belongings, summon the ghosts, and then banish them with the word and.
1: Violet even though that's just the name of like sorry, it really yeah. that's just like the name of another tribe. It would just be like going up to a bunch of ghosts and being like France and expecting <laughs> tribe. Yeah. Like, it just, it's just the name of a, uh, like you know, Italians. <laughs> that would have been so much better. It is the equivalent of that though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Based on this advice on the Kuraton curse to expel ghosts. Violet and Tate try to do that to Chad and Patrick. And there's a there's a curious scene where Tate tries to seduce Patrick and then ends up getting beat yeah. up by him.
1: Oh, wait, can we go one thing we should probably point out is that there is a nod to the next season in that Billy Dean scene. Oh. Did you pick up
0: on it? I mean the whole Roanoke tale, yeah, are
1: you thinking about something specifically, which is a future season? well, yeah, there's a reference to the next season, no to season two, Because um, she talks about how places have a paramagnetic grip, and it's places uh locations where there has been a lot of a lot of collective trauma, like prisons. Ooh. And asylums. Wink, wink. Do, 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 oh my do, God. Do, do, do. No, I so, didn't. No, I did I'm not sure it's not a, a, a spoiler to say what the next season is, but the next season deals with an asylum. Yeah. And so I think because there there is always a reference to the next season, and mm-hmm. I think like the last few episodes of the preceding season. So, Interesting. some I of mean, them are more obvious, some of them are, are very hidden but that one feels quite obvious <laughs>
0: yes and I mean obviously I don't think this is um a necessarily a wink towards season 6 of American Horror Story but in retrospect it's interesting to know that that is the first time that we they speak about Roanoke in the show mm. and then their season 6 is entirely dedicated to exploring that story and that myth
1: Yeah, because Ryan Murphy clearly went hmm, that's a really good idea let me reuse it
0: That's weird and mysterious and nobody really knows what happened so I'm going to rewrite it He loves rewriting history and I love him (laughs) for that
1: Yes But yes, Tate Tate's a decent Patrick I mean, pretty convincing (laughs) He worked it I would have been down (laughs) I think he did a good job. He was—he was—he was seductive.
0: Yeah, I mean that. <laughs>
1: there
0: was there was a lot of double entendres, and there was a lot of Tate sort of walking up to Patrick, just as he's kneeling down painting something or whatever, just like fully crotch in his face. Uh, I mean, he got the shit kicked out of him pretty much straight away. To fair, very well deserved considering that he murdered them.
1: It's weird that he uses the f- the phrase a little strange. Yeah. As in like having sex with a stranger. I find that phrase really I don't know if I've ever heard it before. Get a little strange.
0: I thought he meant uh in the sense that kind of getting uh a little kinky because you know the things that we learn about Chad and Patrick is kind of that Patrick was maybe into things that Chad wasn't, and that's why he brought the rubber suit um, as well.
1: That's a good point. I thought it was like a shortened like get some strange dick <laughs> get some stra I don't know I thought it was like a shortened version of that, but that what you said makes more sense. Also, I just realized that Tate's a teenager. Could I take back those earlier comments? Because Evan Peters is so much older than the character he's playing, and I forgot that he's a teenager, yeah. so I retract the earlier statements.
0: <laughs> it's also like, there's a lot of stuff that comes out while Patrick is beating him up. Because he, he says that he's like, oh, I was in love with someone. I was going to leave this place, and I was going to be happy. And I suddenly thought about Jungle Jim. I was like, was he in love with Jungle Jim? And it's a love story that never happened?
1: Yeah, didn't he, didn't he say something about his gym? There was somebody at the gym that he was having sex with? Was it the gym guy? Maybe Jungle Jim is the gym guy. Maybe. Jungle Jim pun.
0: Jungle Jim 4322, was that
1: it? Yeah, but maybe he's the guy at the gym and he's both called Jim and he goes to the gym. Oh, that would be very confusing. Like if you're called Jim, you better be going to the gym. That's why they named it that. (laughs) (laughs) It's the place for gyms to go. (laughs) Oh my god.
0: We see after that, Violet performing the spell. So she burns Patrick's ring and she burns uh, Chad's $12,000 watch in the furnace. And kind of starts yelling out Coratoan at Chad and it's a. I thought it was hilarious because obviously it's not going to work but you know you're wrapped up in this season you're wrapped up in this mythos and you're kind of like oh we're being told by the medium that this is a spell that will work sure let's try it but actually no it's bullshit it does not work and Chad laughs in her face but most
1: importantly he I, and she's really like I love how much she's like really screaming at like grow it to it <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I really like, I really enjoyed her delivery of Kroatoic. Of Crow- yeah, she's like
0: so, <laughs> you like, know, s- it. screeching it. And I love Zachary Quinto in this scene because he's like, at first you can see his face going like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he tries to play along with it and he is hilarious because she really believes him for a second. She's like, oh my God, it's working. I'm a witch.
1: Yeah, 'cause she's just kind of like a a a gothy teenage girl at the end of the day. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's so good about Tessa's performance mm. is like she really I don't know, she she really believably sells like angsty teenage girl at all times, even in the middle of like all this elaborate horror and fantasy. The whole time, every every line that Violet delivers is like, Oh, she's like still moody. <laughs> Oh, totally. teenager wants to be on MySpace right now. Does MySpace <laughs> wait, what was happening in 2011? I guess definitely, we were past MySpace at that point. Definitely not MySpace. Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with yeah, that. Yeah, she wants to be on Tumblr.
0: You know, but the big thing in this scene is that Chad tells her about all the heinous stuff that Tate has done. So she so that bond between them is essentially broken because her boyfriend raped her mother and that's that's not something that you can just kind of forget about
1: and he says it so casually as well yeah like he says it it's interesting that he says this he because he learned this piece of information um from Constance earlier in the episode because she's talking about her her grandson
0: mm-hmm. being
1: Vivian's child mm-hmm. and and so it's like it, there's a little bit of smugness there so it, it's sort of like it, it's so cruel in that moment because he's just doing it to to be mean like oh, he's got no yeah. real motivation for it Absolutely. just to, to be but like the actual like profound impact that that kind of piece of information is going to have on a teenage girl even if she is a ghost is is sort of the fact that he doesn't think about that Mm. like I think this is one of the cruelest things that anyone does on this show is just to, to say that so like yeah well you know it's it's super cruel you're right but it does also kind of make you think
0: it's like actually Tate doesn't really deserve a happily ever after. Like, he is a horrible, horrible person. He's done some really, really horrific shit. And the least worst of it is that he's going to be the father of the Antichrist. The idea that Tate and Violet could have sort of, you know, lived as teen emo ghosts in love forever... When Tate was has done such horrific shit, kind of, even though it's delivered in a really cruel way, I kind of like the fact that Violet ends up knowing the truth about her boyfriend.
1: Oh yeah, like she, someone had to tell her. But I feel like I don't know. I wish like Moira had delivered the news. <laughs> she would have said yes. it in a, a, a kind of way with a little bit of counselling afterwards. Because that's the thing; it is such like a like her one comfort in the afterlife mm. was that she got to be with the boy that she loved and now she's found out that boy is an absolute monster. Mm. So like what has she got now? Like that's so like I don't know. It's so sad.
0: It is really sad. Violet's quite a sad character.
1: I like that a bit earlier when she's talking about being a ghost and that technology is going to change and oh, she's yeah. like one day we won't even have YouTube. <laughs> it's yeah. like, God, that's so sad. <laughs> she won't even have YouTube one day. Well, she has nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 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 I audibly laughed at that scene because I was like, oh no, that is my version of hell. Like, stuck indoors with no internet and no Videos of round animals.
1: The whole thing with like lockdown and quarantine. It's like, well, at least we've got like Netflix and YouTube, and you know, Hamilton. I don't know. I don't know why those things make everything okay. Oh. <laughs> Can at least bury yourself under a duvet and watch Drag Race for five hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then we have the the birth scene. So at this point. Vivian has been released from the psychiatric ward where she was being held. Um, But because we're told that one of the twins, the Alpha, has grown super quickly, uh, she essentially goes into labor in the house. So what we get there is kind of like... I've forgotten how amazingly directed this this scene in this episode was. We get this kind of really gothic Mm. setting. Of Vivian, in, you know, in a single bed in kind of an empty room in the house, everything is lit by candles, and she's in labor, and her doctor is, of course, Charles Montgomery, aided by the ghost nurses. No, and <laughs> bad idea. Of course it is. And like, once he starts asking for scalpels and forceps, I'm like, oh god, what are you doing, Charles? Like, mm-hmm. honey, honey, no. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) back away so she has this like there's this incredibly long extended scene of Vivian giving birth and it's like horrific like this is not an easy poof and they're out it's like no it looks like torture for her
1: I feel like this scene contributed to my feelings of not wanting to have children like, this scene, it, like, it is generally, like, birth as pure horror. Totally. Because it's the pain, it's the confusion, it's the strangers, like, all up in her mm. private parts. Like, one of them is a, a dead, um, a, a opium-addicted surgeon from the 20s, like... <laughs> It's just like phantasmagorical horror to the extreme and it just, it, I think it's one of the, I mean there's been lots of very intense birth scenes in movies and TV but I think this one's up there. It's pretty horrific.
0: Especially because when she gives birth to the first child he is stillborn which is incredibly sad and she, you know, Constance takes away the baby and tells her that she can't, she can't see him yet. So there's kind of there's elements there of mercy, because she's in so much pain that this this child and actually it's the well it's it's actually Vivian's baby as opposed to the Antichrist, the baby that's born stillborn, just deeply sad. But then she goes into giving birth to the Antichrist, and everything just kind of goes up to eleven, and it's you know, the words, he's ripping me apart, are uttered and it's mm-hmm. very upsetting and disturbing and Charles Montgomery keeps asking for bigger scalpels. I'm like, oh no. No. We don't need those. Surely we don't. And yeah. and Yeah. The, the devil's spawn is born.
1: But then, it's like an actual baby. Yeah, it's not a little demon, you know. You kind of expect it to be a little, little horns, little, <laughs> a little horns, and a little devil tail, <laughs> little <hooves. laughs> Just a normal baby. Yeah, Just like hi, I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> Where? <laughs> um, which is an interesting depiction of the the Antichrist because mm. usually, uh, you know, in Rosemary's Baby, we never see it, but the mm-hmm. Everyone looking into the crib is obviously like, "Ooh, that's not a human baby." Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think maybe this is a bit unusual to to just have it as a totally normal human mm. child.
0: You kind of get that in the Omen as well. Like Damien is, you know, the Antichrist, but he is a normal looking kid, True. and he grows up to be a normal looking man. Um. I did find it, like, very interesting. Well, the whole... the That whole kind of scene is so extended and so horrific. I kind of found, like... It really reminded me of Rosemary's Baby, but kind of pushing it into the more explicit as opposed to the... Um, as opposed to emphasizing the subtext of it. Like, it just went out there. But a lot of the way that it was filmed and the idea of this kind of like horrific unholy birth really reminded me of of the of that film did you get that
1: Mm. yeah i guess that's why i was thinking about the fact because the the parallel that in rosemary's baby the baby is inhuman and here the baby is human because mm. um, yeah it really really does feel I think like this whole arc is so influenced by Rosemary's Baby oh, which I mean this happens so often in American Horror Story that he really likes to to, you know <laughs> just like get all his little cinematic influences and just put them in the pot and stir them <laughs> Um, but yeah definitely Rosemary's Baby Are there any other scenes in the episode that we haven't discussed? I guess the two more things. Hmm. Hayden turns up, because we haven't seen her for a bit. Oh, yeah. she's like, I'm here for my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) Um, And then we get the sort of rejection scene where Violet rejects Tate and says, Tate, go away. I don't want to see you anymore. Yes, that's, Tate, you are the darkness, which is, it's quite a sad scene, even though, you know, he is, the thing with Tate is that he is like, he is this absolute monster, but the fact that he has no memory of it, Hmm. sort of really, I think, messes with your empathy, because like, he's unforgivable for what he did, but then you feel the pain of somebody going... I don't understand because that whole scene is kind of him going like, I don't understand. Like I did these things, but I don't like it. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like he did it, even though he knows that he did it now. It's, it's sort of a, which I think raises a lot of questions about sort of the nature of the house and the nature of his character and the nature of the, this evil that Billy Dean Howard was talking about, mm. its sort of t- it's, has taken on a life as, of its own and how much has it influenced Tate, you yeah. know?
0: You never quite know with Tate whether he is a fully-fledged psychopath who is pretending or mocking the idea of not remembering or not kind of really doing the the stuff that he's done, but also... Like when we get that, then we get a lot of moments of him being quite manipulative and cold and taking a lot of pleasure in causing pain to others and in terrorizing others. So it's always kind of that back and forth. And it's like from the very first moment we meet him, you never quite get a sense of which one he belongs in. It's like, is this, is he like getting possessed by the darkness of the murder house or is that darkness internal to him? And he just
1: chooses when to play it up. So you think in that final scene, he might be faking it. And he doesn't actually. He does remember what he did.
0: Well, this is the thing that I like, kind of always found really fascinating about Tate's character. It's like he knowingly rapes Vivian. Like he knows that. He knows he did that. And, you know, he did that for one reason or another. Kind of for Nora to give her a baby. But he's fully aware of that. He terrorizes that classmate for Violet, uh, for Lols basically, and he does a lot of stuff mm. like that he does as a ghost that is really really bad. Like he fully murders, sadistically murders Chad and Patrick, and then continuously plays with them after after they're all dead. So then when he kind of does these these moments of, you know, teary-eyed, like, what have I done? Oh my god, I just love you. I'm like, yeah, but, like, you cannot pretend to not remember the shit that you did less than a year ago. You were already dead. You knew the stuff that you were doing.
1: Well, you, mm, but what if he don't... But what if it is... This is why I've always wondered, what if it is genuinely a form of possession? Because everything that Billy... Dean talks about really sort of suggests the idea that there is a force, you know, yeah, and especially the idea the bringing of the Antichrist into the world, like that's the that's like the devil's plan. Mm. So is the devil not pulling the strings here? Totally, and we never really get to see or meet the
0: devil. And the idea that Tate is the devil doesn't seem to make that much sense, to be honest, because he is evil, but also he is only human. So there is kind of something else. And I think that scene with
1: Billy Dean really,
0: really hints at it, but it never really gets fully explored, does it?
1: But then it's interesting. I mean, we can't go into it now, but there are examples in other parts of the show of mm-hmm. demonic possession in mm-hmm. characters who will be one way and then something takes over them and they act. Yes. They do evil, very evil acts. And so, but it's so interesting because in this season it's I think it's very clear in the other examples, but Mm. in this season it is so ambiguous to whether um yeah, as to whether when he's doing those acts, he is under possession and so does not remember doing them. And it is not like it's not Tate doing them, it is the devil or some force of evil acting through him
0: yeah or
1: yeah or is he just a pure psychopath and did he in some part help create the evil of the house interesting because that's an option as well because do we ever find out like what the origin of the evil was what was the first thing well that the first evil thing Well, technically, what, the first inhabitants
0: of the murder house were the Montgomery's. So technically, it's all of their evil doings and their murder-suicide that sort of started generating the evil juju in the house. Right. True. We never get any sort of, you know, oh, this house is built on, you know, the poltergeist excuse of it's built on an Indian burial ground or anything like that. We don't get that.
1: yeah and I guess the idea that that Billy Dean talks about is like accumulated trauma, so yeah. maybe it was started off with the Montgomerys, and then Tate amplified it to an extreme. I feel like we could go on for hours about Tate because he is he's such an interesting character if you sort of because this whole season like we've just been sort of played like back and forth, oh mm-hmm. we'll have a moment of like empathy for him and then we're like oh reminded oh my god he's a monster but then Mm -hmm. like oh but he doesn't remember this and he's really like he he seems like I don't know sad about it yeah he just genuinely doesn't seem to have grasp like what's happened to him
0: shall we move on to our categories
1: yes Cool. So
0: you mentioned it before, but what is your favorite quote of the episode?
1: So is that hairdo, but I figure that's your business. (laughs) Just chef's kiss. Beautiful. Amazing. Beautiful writing. Love it. How about you?
0: My favorite quote is actually from that scene as well, where Constance has been a massive homophobic douche and she lets slip that one of the babies is her grandchild. And Chad doesn't miss a beat and he suddenly turns around and is like, are you telling me that Norman Bates Jr. is the baby daddy? And I just <laughs> loved <And> His <laughs> delivery. And the fact that he caught her in something that she didn't really want to reveal at that moment. And Norman Bates Jr. is a great burn. It is, yeah. <laughs> so we don't get any naked men here in this episode. Uh. Mm-hmm. So what was your MVP of the
1: episode? I still feel like the Antichrist is winning. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I mean, no one's on top
0: except Satan. I mean, he ate his baby twin in the womb. So I guess, you, yeah, he's definitely winning.
1: Yeah. And he's like show danced into the world being like, hello, it's me. (laughs) I am the Antichrist. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Antichrist. Smart. How about you? I'm gonna go with Violet. Only because she... She
0: rejects Tate in the end. And it's like, no. Totally unacceptable. You cannot get away with that shit. I'm not never gonna speak to you again. I know we're both ghosts, so we're gonna be stuck in this one house forever, but we are not a thing anymore. And I just love the fact that she... Stands by what she feels is right and by her family. And she goes like, no, fuck you. Not going to have any of this. This is really twisted. Goodbye. So yeah, I thought she was
1: my MVP this episode. Yeah, that is good. She did good this episode. Yeah, go Violet. Well done. We kind of did the insensitive historical reference of the week. Yeah. Roanoke, the Lost Colony. I mean, it's definitely a really fascinating
0: chapter of kind of, you know, unsolved mysteries and so on. So it's definitely kind of worth, for anyone who's interested in that sort of stuff, investigating a bit more. And like we mentioned before, it will come back into the AHS world with a whole season dedicated to Roanoke. That's season six.
1: I do have another kind of historical, not that insensitive though. Oh my god, go on. But the TV show that they're watching in the Tate flashback is... The show Newhart starring Bob Newhart and the Wikipedia pointed out that the show in question ended its eight year run with the reveal that it was all one big nightmare of one of Bob Newhart's characters from another sitcom is my understanding. But I guess it's crucial that it's like revealed like it's revealed to be one a nightmare. I don't know if that's significant. Not sure. I just thought it was interesting. They clearly put some thought behind choosing that. That's a good spot. Okay, so what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, Ben deals with the aftermath of Vivian's death. We'll be back next Wednesday dissecting another episode of American Horror Story Murder House. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on @theslue and I am on Deventus.